1: Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia. This one is episode eight already, and the title is Cycling Southeast Asia. Super pumped today because Trevor and I are actually in the same spot.
0: Yep. This weekend, I decided to come down to Kuala Lumpur and uh, visit Scott for a few days. Figured we'd do a couple of episodes together. Uh, One of the things that I like to do with Scott when I'm down here because of the... Mount Kiara neighborhood that he lives in, there's some handy mountain biking trails nearby.
1: Yeah, there sure is. And uh, we're going to hit the bike trails tomorrow, I believe. But before we get to cycling in Southeast Asia, we have something brand new we're super pumped about. And that is, lo and behold, we have sponsors. Who uh, Who's the first sponsor, Trevor? Um, Today we want to give a shout-out to
0: Birvana. Birvana is a craft beer distributor which imports tasty craft beers from the USA and distributes American and other specialty beers and spirits from around the world. Um, They deliver it to over 100 different bars and restaurants in Thailand and also have a craft beer club where they can home deliver craft beers to your residents around the city of Bangkok.
1: Well, I've enjoyed their beers around the city, and it was uh, great to see someone finally bringing in tasty beer. Yeah, they even
0: have a new app out now called the Beer Me app where you can find out where all the different venues are, that you can get the Beervana beers and find out about different beer-related theme events like uh, beer pairing with food dinners um, and can help you choose which beers you might want to get delivered to your home.
1: Yeah, super cool. And the other sponsor is one of our favorite hotels in Siem Reap, Cambodia. It is Shintamani, and that is a hotel that if you want to have a nice romantic stay while you're there, it's very, very hip, cool, and slick, but it's also great bang for buck. And Christian, the general manager, and his team uh, just do a fantastic job, and they've been nice enough to sponsor the episode. Yeah, I love the Shintamani as
0: well. It's a Bill Bensley property. It's a aesthetically beautiful. The, the service is amazing. And they also have a really great uh, corporate social responsibility program where uh, they work with different villages. They they provide water pumps for villages and, and guests can either donate to the project or you can actually go out and uh, you know get to know and experience some of these really cool, friendly Cambodian villages through the hotel.
1: Yeah, so we're going to keep taking on sponsors. So if you'd like to sponsor the show, just send us an email and we will make it happen for you. But on to today's Uh, episode about cycling in Southeast Asia and Asia and we've just been lucky enough both of us during our, our travels and research and whatnot to end up on bikes I know that Trevor's style of cycling has been quite different from my own but I've just always loved the fact that there's so many little back roads so many back trails paths and, and ways, be it paved dirt, that you can just jump on and go for. And people are friendly. They don't seem to mind you literally riding through their backyard. And it's just a great region to, to cycle in.
0: Yeah, and again, we do approach biking from, from different perspectives. You, as a more serious biker, like to look for really cool rides and stuff. But for me, I just find it so great and convenient in, in cities like Ayutthaya or Sukhothai or even Angkor, these temples. like, It's really easy to, to source a cheap local bicycle just to explore the the region on. And, and you're going at the same speed as the locals, lots of whom also get around on bicycles. And, and instead of whizzing by in a car just from destination to destination, you're you're in the action. You're part of the community. I think you, you get a lot more smiles. You get a, a much richer experience while cruising around on a bike.
1: Yeah. And the population in most countries in this region is so dense that when you cycle point to point, it's not like you go long stretches without seeing anyone you see people regularly and they'll be happy to you know wave you off to stop and they want to try and chat or show you how their buffaloes plowing the field or even have you into the rice field to try planting so it it really does kind of connect you to the people and the country that you're you're there to experience yeah so uh We're going to introduce our guest here and uh, he's going to tell
0: us a little bit more in depth about some of the really unique experiences you can have in some of the different countries around the region.
1: Our guest today is Adam Platt-Hepworth. He is the co-founder and owner of Grasshopper Adventures. They do tours all over Southeast Asia and actually the larger Asia region. He gave up a career in banking of all things. I can't imagine how he left that excitement for cycling but he joins us today from Cambodia I believe. Is that right Adam?
2: Yeah that's right. Hi Scott. Hi Trevor. Hey Adam how are you doing? Yeah very well. Good. Where in Cambodia are you? In same Rip, home of the Angkor Temples.
1: Home of the Angkor Temples. Well, that's great. Why don't you tell us really quickly in uh, how did a guy from Australia end up in Asia running a bike tour company?
2: Uh, Yeah, largely by chance, I guess. Um, I'd sort of uh, reached the the pointy end of a a banking career and uh, it was time for a change. I met my business partner when I was cycling in Asia and uh, he had this great idea of starting up a, a dedicated cycling tour company. So I said, "Well, if you get that off the ground, I'll come and work for you," and he did. Mm-hmm. So I did, and uh, I expected only to be here about uh, twelve or or twenty-four months, and then uh, I'm still here. <laughs> and now I run. And now how I run long the ago was that? Uh, that was eight years ago now.
0: Wow. Well, I think that that you got there at the right time as well because uh, I, I met you when I was in Cambodia. I don't know whether I was working on the National Geographic book at the time, but. But earlier in Cambodia, many years ago, it was almost impossible to get a decent bicycle. It was all those simple Chinese-made ones to tour the temples on, and, and Grasshopper kind of came in there right at a good time to provide good bikes for some great biking experiences.
2: Yeah, there's certainly no shortage now. It's, uh, it's become certainly one of the most popular ways to see the temples and there's bikes everywhere you can rent a bike on every corner
1: yeah well I've been lucky enough to know you now I'd say maybe about six years or so and I've ridden some of your bikes and um, you are a friend just so all the listeners know but you definitely know your stuff about biking I know that you're avid about riding on road you do a fair bit of off-road and you're an actual physical dynamo didn't you ride in two days from Ho Chi Minh City to Siem Reap or something like that
2: So I gone to Phnom Penh actually. Um, Okay. I was trying to make it in one day, but I failed. I, uh, (laughs) yeah, just hit the wall uh, with a headwind and twenty kilos of stuff on the back, and it was just too much.
0: And some hectic traffic too, I guess. Yeah.
2: Yeah, and the hectic traffic. Yeah, it it just all added up to too much. Okay. Well.
0: We wanted to, one of the things we wanted to to start the discussion with is just because, uh, you know, a lot of travelers may not have been to all the Southeast Asian countries over here. And and when we were just talking about like Cambodia or or from Ho Chi Minh City to Phnom Penh, like that area is all pretty flat, whereas some parts of Southeast Asia are very mountainous. So we thought that maybe, first of all, you could give us kind of an overview of the the different types of terrain that you could experience in the region.
2: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, all of the mainland Southeast Asian countries have a bit of diversity in their in their terrain, in that they have mountains and they have flatlands. Um, but obviously, some countries' mountains are better than other countries, and uh, the same goes for the flatlands. So, you know, the coast of Vietnam is is mostly flat, uh, with a few hills. But then mm-hmm. the far north of Vietnam is is very mountainous, uh, very challenging climbs, very dramatic scenery. Um, the the north of Laos, which is the, the most visited part, is is very mountainous uh, and obviously landlocked. Uh, Cambodia, for the most part, is is flat. It's a, it's a floodplain, essentially, and I guess Thailand has that diversity again. So it's got you know a mountainous north uh, and a ring of mountains that sort of naturally forms its uh, its borders, uh, and then a central plain which is nice and flat also. Uh, as for Myanmar well Myanmar leads all the way up into I mean those mountains lead all the way up into the Himalayas Uh, but then coming back down south it's uh, it's flat again because there's a significant river uh, coming through there so a a plain central plain area
1: so you're saying all of the countries sort of in southeast Asia all have their share of flat portions mountainous portions is that right
2: yeah that's right but for example Laos you know you wouldn't you wouldn't go to Laos if you if you only enjoy riding flat territory because there's not much of it. <laughs> the the yeah, most The works. most interesting part of Laos is, is the mountains. Yeah,
0: but that's kind of a good thing too because then suppose like for people who aren't in like great condition for doing like big hills and they want to do something a little bit more flat, but they want to go to to Myanmar or but they want to go to Cambodia or but they want to go to Vietnam. It seems like there's options in each country for for different styles of riders.
2: Yeah, there certainly is.
1: Yeah. Before we get into the next question, Adam, on our list, why do you think, I know you've ridden around the world, and especially in your native Australia, why do you think that cycling in, in say, Southeast Asia and Asia, why is it a great area to actually get on a bike and spend some time during your holidays?
2: You know, there's a lot of reasons. Um, I guess chief among them is that the the space of accommodation is really convenient. So um, Mm -hmm. where I come from in Australia, you could ride for... I don't know, 300 kilometres and not come across, um, you know, affordable, decent accommodation. But in in Asia, it might only be 50 kilometres or or 80 kilometres or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's that's the first reason. Um, You know, there's also very friendly, welcoming people, uh, and that's true of many countries in the world. But um, certainly most of Southeast Asia, if you turn up on somebody's doorstep, They'll be rushing to feed you and 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 you know offer you a towel to dry your hair and <laughs> you know they they have a high um, a strong instinct of hospitality. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I guess also another contributing factor is that um, the backroads network, because of the the density of population, um, there's a lot of backroads that are mostly just used by motorbikes or um, even by bicycles only. Uh, and you can make use of those rather than, you know, just peddling down a main road, which increasingly in Asia is becoming pretty dangerous and scary. So, mm. um, so they're, they're sort of the main reasons, I guess, that Asia is so popular.
1: Hmm. All good points that I've experienced as well. But, uh, yeah, it's good to hear it from a guy that puts, uh, does it day in and day out for his bread and butter, so to speak.
2: Yeah. It's, um, it's a great place. It's a great place for riding. Uh, and I mean, that's initially how I got into it, um, you know, my first few trips were uh, semi-solo, uh, sometimes joining in with a group or sometimes riding on my own and mm-hmm. it just it was such a sort of achievable experience um, that it, it made me want to open it up to, to more people. Yeah,
0: that's great. I mean, and I like what you're saying about the back roads, because uh, as a as a travel writer, I like to explore and discover kind of cool new things and and the backroads are often one of the best ways to travel just because you can go at a little slower speed because you don't have to worry about lots of traffic and and you're going through more authentic communities and 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 you get to interact with the locals a bit more, which is what we talked about in the intro. Um, but when we talk about like real like kind of biking adventures, which I haven't done a lot of, one of the things that I would be interested in doing is doing some sort of like bike and then camp overnight somewhere and then bike and camp or even like biking and doing some homestays, kind of like the multi-day trips where you can get out in nature and actually uh, just just bike and camp and, and whatnot. Do you know anything like good areas for that?
2: Yeah, sure. I mean, in the in the sort of populated areas of Southeast Asia, there's not a lot of reason to camp because... Um, accommodation's so cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's so ridiculously cheap. And then um, even if there's no guest house, uh, the, uh, you know, the monks will put you up in a monastery. Or um, you know, I've even had a police chief accommodate me for the evening. <laughs> so uh, there's there's little reason. But then of course you, there are some very remote areas. Say for example the Cardamom Mountains in Cambodia, um, where there just it, aren't that many people, <laughs> or, or houses for that matter. Um, and so you you do have to camp, um, and you know you can use a, a hammock strung up between a couple of trees with a mosquito net built into it. Cool. Um, but uh, you know, aside from the really remote areas, the, the, there's not a whole lot of reason to uh, to camp. And I've come across people over the years who have camped, um, mm-hmm. and they do it mostly because um, they like their uh, solitude. They, they don't like to sort of be in among people every night. They they want to be out among the insect noises and the and the sounds. Um, and so that's fair enough. Uh, but also, uh, I guess given the seasons, uh, it's not always a comfortable camping experience in a place like, say, Cambodia.
0: Yeah, that was one of the things we, we actually... T- talked about in our brainstorm but we didn't put in here was just kind of the, the weather and that you know cambodia in the middle of the hot dry season with all the dust or, or like being in the middle of the jungle during a monsoon season like there's definitely some challenges there that i don't know we're going to get to today but i think when you're planning a bike trip in southeast asia that like the weather conditions and could play a role <laughs> i gotta think
2: oh certainly yeah. yeah yeah you know in the in the wet season um i mean i've been camping i've, I've been in hammock hammock and Uh, You know, I thought, oh, it's not raining so much uh, overnight, but then in the morning, I've I've put my foot down and it's (laughs) it's in half a meter of water. So, um, yeah, you know, things can change pretty quickly weather-wise.
1: So you you can and you do do cycling camping holidays. It sounds like in the in Cambodia, but you're you're saying while it can be done, it's sort of very based on seasonality and and then just the practicality of doing it because you don't have hotels around.
2: Yeah. Yeah, in in only in certain areas. I mean, if if there are guest houses, um, there's only a few areas where I guess a, a tent or a hammock out somewhere would be better than the guest house. And yeah. they do exist those situations. Well,
0: you brought up the cardamoms because I, I actually went with a Cambodia community based uh, like a homestay up in Chipot. And, uh, someone was telling me that they were going to make it possible that you could mountain bike like straight across over the Cardamoms into Persat district. But, uh, I don't know. That sounds like, that sounds like the kind of remote biking, camping adventure. And, and so I'm glad you kind of picked that as a destination for that as being a possibility.
2: Yeah. That's about one of the wildest trips you can do. Yeah. Um, the Cardamoms are, are truly wild still. I mean, there's a lot of, um, deforestation, um, a lot of environmental issues in there, but, there's still significant tracts of forest that are intact. There's uh, wild elephants. Um, uh, you, when I've been riding there, I've come across uh, sections where elephants have come through and you see all the vegetation pushed over. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it, that would be an epic journey. Yeah, um, for sure. Cheap Pat itself, the next valley over, is the Orang Valley, which is currently um, you know potentially under threat from a hydro dam. Uh, but that area also is really beautiful. Um, but seriously remote, no uh, no phone coverage, no power. Um, most of the um, communities there just live off you know, fish out of the river and, and roots and things out of the forest.
1: Hmm. Well, when we were brainstorming things we wanted to talk about and know about cycling, uh, an area that came up was Mandalay and Bagan in, in Myanmar. I've been lucky enough to go to Bagan, and I know that you guys set up shop there about a couple of years ago. So can you just tell us a little bit about, I think, it's a country, Myanmar, that's a lot of people are curious about. They don't know a lot about. What is it like riding in those two areas?
2: Well, um, you know, Mandalay, for starters, is uh, it's a great place to ride, and, and the primary reason for that is that Mandalay as a city is actually um, not quite what people expect. I think most people, when they when they think of Mandalay, they think of uh, you know Kipling's words, or they. Um, I, I don't know, they over-romanticize the, the, the idea of Mandalay, but when you get there, it's a grid city, it's dusty, it has a lot of traffic, um, and I think a lot of people say, oh, well, what do we actually do? And so a, a ride outside Mandalay is just beautiful. I mean, it's um, uh, it's irrigated most of the year round, so you, you'll come across various crops and things, um, mm-hmm. and it's, it's one of those cities that abruptly stops, you know, it's... it's you just pedal a little bit and, you, and you're among a little bit of traffic, but then all of a sudden there's just no city and it's, uh, it's rice fields and, and uh, little um, villages, with bamboo housing and that sort of thing. Um, so it's a really lovely experience. Um, we, you ta- you, there's also a lot of historical sort of areas around Mandalay, um, mm-hmm. Inwa, Ava, uh, Uben Bridge, the you know, longest teak bridge in the world um mm-hmm. these these kind of sites and again those little back trails that we talked about earlier they're all, all over the place
1: right is it is it mountainous there or flat or paved or dirt roads or what are people riding
2: it's mostly flat and uh and you're talking dirt roads so hard packed uh dirt usually it can be it can mm-hmm. be a little rocky um and, and uneven right you know the level of development in Myanmar is much lower than a lot of other countries, a lot of other surrounding countries. Okay. So um, yeah, it, but it's, it's predominantly flat. There's some mountains further in the north, um, going up to places like Pin Luluin. Uh, but yeah, around Mandalay, flat, and then Bagan. Um, it's quite different, actually. It's, uh, I mean, it's uh, really right in the dry zone. You know, so it's. Mm. It's almost a desert. I mean, it's about as close as you could get to a desert. Yeah, that's what I was
0: going to say. For people who who aren't aware of like what we're talking about exactly, Mandalay is kind of a in in the northernish central part, I guess, of of Myanmar, and, and Bagan is just a bit south of of Mandalay, and and Bagan is a an ancient city of, of temples from back in like the Angkor era days um and when i was first there i was surprised that it, it's like a high desert yeah like you think you're in southeast asia and it's going to be all tropical but it's kind of just this ex- expanse of desert with kind of cactus-like trees and uh and it's not right next to mandalay how far south like how, do you do rides from mandalay down to pagan or do you do like a support van um, and, and do we, two we separate do
2: rides? Have, yeah we have a um a ride that takes about three days to reach Bagan from mandalay uh-huh. um but uh, the, the most regularly running trips are, are just day rides around Bagan and around Mandalay. Um, and Bagan, I mean, it's great for riding, but uh, obviously it's very climate sensitive. So in the hottest part of the year, uh, we're talking sort of late April to May, um, you, you really have to make it very early. You have to be out there uh, around sunrise and uh, and back indoors by, by lunchtime. Um, uh, but, I mean, other times of the year, it's, it's fun. I mean, it's, um, uh, there's a lot of little trails. So you have this, this vast plain with, um, with pagodas dotted all over it. But then among the pagodas, you have these tiny little villages um, and uh, a little bit of vegetation and some, some small crops, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so there's lots of little pedestrian trails that go through there. Um, and can, you, just, you can just sort of crisscross the, the plain. Uh, and then there's of course the settlement along the river so you have the um, the main town um, and then coming back you have New Began, which is the main tourist area.
0: So it's not like super challenging riding but you do get a bit of culture you get some of these historical temples and uh, some different type of outdoor scenery I guess than you would get anywhere else in the region. Yeah that's
2: right it's it's certainly not challenging I mean it's it's flat predominantly Um, the there is a bit of sand so you sort of if you're you need to just work on your confidence, but with that. But I mean, when we take people out, we give them a bit of a uh, an introduction to how to ride in sand. It's not actually that difficult. You just need to know um, exactly how you're supposed to ride, uh, and then it's it's quite achievable. And uh, you know, we just stop off at a lot of different temples. Um, and increasingly, I do see you know independent travellers on bicycles out there. Um, the only issue is the thorns. There's a lot of um, a lot of these desert Plants have a lot of thorns that come off and, and hide in the sand, and and uh, you end up with some flat tires.
1: Yeah, I rode there in April a few years ago, and it was 40 degrees, and we were on Chinese bicycles with skinny little wheels, and I would have given anything for a proper mountain bike with a wide tire and a bit of tread. Well, moving from, from one country that's up and coming, uh, Myanmar, we want to go over to another one that's up and coming, and I was lucky enough to go to the southern part of uh, just last December. And I know you've pioneered some trips in Sri Lanka, so we're just kind of wondering. I mean, obviously Sri Lanka has some flatter bits, uh, maybe on the coast, but it's quite a mountainous area in the centre. So what what does that country offer in terms of cycling?
2: Well, Sri Lanka is a bit unique because it offers absolutely everything uh, in this tiny little island Um you know, sometimes, say, for example, if you go for a ride in China and you look at the map afterwards and you, you say, oh, wow, look, I covered about, you know, point something percent of the country. Um, mm-hmm. Where you look at the map after a two-week ride in Sri Lanka and you've covered, you know, a good distance. You've, you've seen roughly, um, you know, half the country. So that's, that's the beauty of Sri Lanka. And as you say, there's mountains, you know, tea country. Um, they have a, a strong sense of conservation for their wildlife and their forests. Uh, so there are some really good national parks you can visit. There's great beaches, as as you've experienced, um, and a lot of history. You know the 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 Gaul Fort and all the history that that holds, and of course all the all the Buddhist religious history, um, especially in the northern part of the, the country. Mm-hmm. So it's it's an amazing place to ride.
1: Now, is it predominantly like off road, single track, dirt road kind of? trip or is this a country that you're going to be riding mostly on paved or, or why should we people be going there for what kind of terrain?
2: Yeah, it's. Uh, I imagine there's some very good off-road, but uh, at this stage I personally haven't found it. Um, mm-hmm. It would take a lot of work because there's a there's quite a network of trails going through tea plantations and uh, forest reserves and that sort of thing, uh, but it would take a lot of work to, to locate them. But even just working on secondary roads, you can have a, a really amazing adventure. You, you wouldn't come across a lot of traffic. Um, and you really would want to steer clear of that in Sri Lanka because they have these homicidal bus drivers uh, getting around in Leyland buses. But, um, yeah, certainly, you know, some paved secondary roads, um, a little rough at times. Um, but uh, in terms of actual real off-roading, I imagine there would be some amazing stuff through the Knuckles Reserve, which is uh, uh, sort of north of Candy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and maybe some some flat off road uh, further up around Siguria, and that sort of area. A lot of our, our riding that we do there is in you know, in the flatter areas is on dirt roads, but um, you know we're talking hard packed dirt, so not really off road.
1: Right, right. If somebody is going to take a biking holiday in Sri Lanka, am I right that you have to be prepared to do some pretty significant climbing?
2: Pretty much, unless you want to take the train. And that is an option. I mean, uh, I've met people who have basically taken the train up the hills and then ridden down the hills. (laughs) Um, And then there is a bit of riding, you know, around the coast, which is not hilly. And uh, also in the north, Anuradhapura, Sigiriya, those sort of areas are quite flat. Um, but yeah, certainly there's I mean to see the best of Sri Lanka there's going to be some hill climbing involved
1: right, right, right
0: okay. so I mean aside from from those hills we've actually kind of touched on a lot of more of the, the flatter areas like uh, other than the cardamoms. I mean doing Angkor is all pretty flat and, and Bagan and Mandalay are saying it's pretty flat. How about for some more seasoned riders who are looking for a more serious challenge? Uh, what do you think are some of the better countries or areas for to challenge more experienced? riders
2: yeah well this i could go on about all day so i'll try to keep it short (laughs) uh because this this is uh yeah this is my my favorite kind of riding um so i think my one of my most challenging rides of all time and uh the most spectacular in terms of one of the most spectacular in terms of scenery was uh the far north of vietnam so um the northwest of vietnam is beautiful and it's challenging also but the far side of the Laokai Valley, which um, uh, is actually the area that borders China, that is—that's some serious mountains. Um, you know, we're talking uh, thirty consecutive kilometres of climbing, um, oh, wow. with some ultra-steep sections in there, uh, mm-hmm. and some just amazing views out, out over these uh, wide-open valleys. Um, yeah, so so you really at one point i think you're 20 kilometers from the border with yunnan uh, in china uh, and it's it's yeah it's also very remote i mean you don't really see tourists up there there's sometimes a few motorcycle guys riding up there sorry what direction from sapa because a lot
1: of people know sapa so what direction from there is the area you're talking about
2: well you first drop uh, down into the valley from sapa where the, where everyone takes the train to reach sapa mm-hmm. and you basically just go up the other side uh, so it's, um, what are we talking, Northeast from Sapa? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And in that area, I mean, you won't find a great uh, choice of meals. <laughs> uh, you won't find comfortable hotels or anything, um, mm. but it's it's really something special.
0: So it's challenging in a, in a variety of different ways, but you kind of get the whole place to yourself and get to see some spectacular scenery that lots of other people really aren't ever going to see.
2: That's right, and I mean you meet you're meeting uh, hill tribe communities daily. Um, who you know, I've travelled with uh, with Vietnamese guides who have been all over the country up there, and and they were still encountering uh, tribes that they'd never heard of, and uh, in many cases had trouble communicating with because of the language barriers between them. So um, you, you see a lot of you know the colourful uh, costumes and headdresses and that sort of thing, um, and in some areas you you still come across that sort of really bewildered look uh, when they just haven't seen uh, a lot of foreigners come through. And I guess in many cases, they've never seen a lycra-clad foreigner come through. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And hopefully they don't have to see too many
1: more in tight tight clothing, yeah. Well, sliding to the opposite end of the spectrum, Adam, is if somebody's kind of, say, new to cycling or they're not hardcore, they maybe, you know, have 30, 40K days in them, where do you think is kind of a good place in Southeast Asia to start for a, for a kind of a more relaxed, achievable bike holiday? I
2: guess it would be a toss-up between Thailand and Cambodia. Um, both countries okay. are very user-friendly. So aside from being cycle, uh, you know, fairly flat and, and achievable riding, um they're just very easy to get around um, there's quite a lot of English spoken now in both countries uh, there's good phone connectivity and that makes a big difference to um, finding your way and finding information on places uh, yeah so it's it's a very um, achievable ride and then there's also a, a good network of back roads, um coming back to that so in Cambodia's case those back roads aren't necessarily in very good condition they're, they're quite often just a dirt trails or roads
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, but in Thailand a uh, hugely impressive array of um, silky smooth secondary roads that you can make use of so yeah and both are largely flat um, the distances because of the there's a fairly high density of population so the distances between accommodation is is uh, is quite short mm-hmm. uh, you could probably get away with riding you know 40 or 50 kilometers a day which um, you know even for a beginner, that's that's quite achievable
0: Okay. Cool. All right. So, but again, you know, I don't know how familiar all of our listeners are with the region. And we mentioned it a little bit earlier, just uh, on some of the more major roads, how crazy kind of the traffic has been. And I've done a bit of uh, dirt bike, like off-road motorcycle riding. And there's always pigs and chickens and cows and everything running in front of you in front of the road. Um, Maybe you could touch on some of the kind of cautionary things people would need to to know about when they're going to do some riding in this region.
2: Well, I think the main thing would just be to avoid the busy roads. Um, I I think if it involves uh, packing up for a a day or half a day and getting on a bus, uh, which is, you know, perfectly reasonable, buses will take your bike, it's worth doing so that you enjoy the ride that you do have uh, instead of, you know, gutsing it out for a day and that being one of your lasting memories. Uh, you really don't want that to, to be a part of it. Uh, and then when you're on the road, um, just all the same rules as home, really. Be, be visible. Um, be, uh, be considerate of other road users. Uh, I think I would say that uh, the majority of other road, road users in Asia are actually really considerate. It doesn't seem it when they're all coming up behind you honking their horns and that sort of thing. But um, in reality, I feel safer generally in Asia than I do in my home country, Australia, riding a bike. Uh, Because there is this sort of appreciation that everything that has wheels and, in fact, legs has a right to use the road, um, as opposed to Australia where it's perceived that it's really cars that that have the, the right to the road.
0: Yeah. How about something else? I mean, again, not as a big biker myself, but I know uh, that there's not probably the best supply of of bike parts and gear and stuff. So if you're bringing your own bike with you, um, I guess it would be advisable to to bring some some supplies you might need if something breaks or goes off.
2: Yes, that's true. But I mean, you need to be able to use the parts also. If you don't really know how to fit them yourself, um, in many cases, it's not really worth bringing them. Uh, you will encounter mechanics uh, in, in certain places that can do it for you, uh, but a lot of the time they'll, they'll just get it wrong. Um, I guess the recommendation would be to stick with a fairly standard bike, um, something that, uh, say, for example, like a 26-inch wheel mountain bike, um, that's the easiest to find tyres and tubes for, the easiest to find spokes for. Um, you know, I see a lot of people turn up on some pretty fancy um 29-inch wheel, uh, cyclocross bikes, this kind of thing. And the minute something breaks, they're in trouble because you just can't find parts for it.
0: Yeah, see, that's the kind of thing I think that's a good tip for people. who might, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah,
1: very. Well, we certainly love the the region, and thanks a ton for sharing stories and your expertise. If anyone wants to know more about what uh, Adam and the people at Grasshopper do, you can go to grasshopperadventures.com online. They have a great website and uh, a ton of tours, and I've, I've threatened to go on one of your trips for a long time. I've yet to do it. I'm going to take you up on it one day, Adam, but uh, thank you so much for making time out of your schedule in Cambodia to join us. Yeah, you're
2: welcome. Thank you.
0: Okay. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Uh, we'll be probably coming back to visit Cambodia sometime soon. Actually, last time I was there, a couple of months ago, I, I, I saw the van and there was a girl who was doing a bike trip with you guys. So I just kind of asked her on the DL. I was like, oh, so how's, how's this company? And uh, she had nothing but good things to say about you guys. So I was glad to hear that.
2: Oh, that's great to hear. And, uh, yeah, Scott, we hope you make it on a trip sometime soon.
1: Yeah, we'll yeah, do. Uh, okay, afterwards. take care, Adam. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Well, that was uh, super interesting. Adam's one of the nicer people I've ever met in Cambodia. He's a he's a super pro. Really knowledgeable, And the one thing I've always found with him is he's willing to share, as, as you can probably appreciate from listening to that. But when I've been places, he'll tell me where the best trail is and doesn't seem to worry about you copying it or what you're going to do to it. He's, he's just a nice, helpful guy.
0: Yeah. Well, again, I think that goes back to our, our whole concept of creating the show is that people like Adam are so passionate about about biking that and, and that's why he's there and that's why he's doing it. So he, he loves to to talk about it and share the, the best experiences that that he has available to him him and and i think that comes across in his business as well so you sure know, why knows. not go on a trip with grasshopper
1: yeah yeah so kind of wrapping things up here one of the things that, that he mentioned is not only the region but each country really affords riders a bit of everything terrain wise you've got your flats you've got your hills you've got paved roads you've got dirt roads there's you just got to pick where in the country it is you want to go and, and you can find something that's going to suit your style
0: yeah, you could be like, hey, I want to go on a bike trip. Just think about what country you want to go to, and then you'll find probably an adequate ride in each of those countries. Um, and it would be great if we could almost do an, an entire episode about biking just in Sri Lanka or biking just in Cambodia. And, and maybe we'll have some time to do that in the future because uh, there are a few other organizations here that that provide really excellent biking experiences uh, Bangkok-based Spice Roads and uh, Peppy Ride in Cambodia uh, both provide really cool biking experiences.
1: Yeah, another thing that uh, Adam mentioned that's just kind of worth touching on again is that it's it's a really safe, friendly region. Now, I mean, each country differs, and within the countries, you know, maybe there's more dangerous areas than other. But overall, I mean, people are more likely to to give you some food than to try and steal something from you. and, And they're just super friendly, which makes cycling so much fun in the region.
0: Yeah, I think uh, other than some of those main roads, which have some crazy traffic, yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, it is a really safe place to travel in general.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So my final point would be kind of like with almost any trip is is do a bit of research. Like you don't want to over plan, but kind of think about the kind of riding you like and you want to do and then research does a particular tour or region or route provide that for you contact a few suppliers and be prepared both clothing wise and for the weather but also your fitness there's it's always better to be a bit fitter than you need to be than showing up somewhere where you're struggling with the heat but you're also just not very fit
0: yeah and uh especially if you're going to do long a lot of long rides during the day uh And again, and and it's generally much hotter here than it is in North America, so you got to be prepared to sweat a lot and hydrate a lot, too.
1: Yeah, you know, before I cycled through Tibet many years ago, uh, a guy that does more cycling than me gave me some good advice that I didn't know, and that's uh, your liners, your padded liners, wear a couple different brands. Don't take, like, three pair of the exact same ones because they wear and rub in the exact same spot it can cause problems. So you actually want to have a couple different brands and rotate them each day.
0: All right. Before we get a little bit of too much information on that <laughs> subject, yeah. uh, why don't you take us out, Scott?
1: Yeah. Thanks very much for joining us on uh, Talk Travel Asia. Thanks very much to Adam from Grasshopper Adventures and our sponsors, Beervana and Shintamani. And two weeks from now, you can listen to another exciting episode. So until then, from Kuala Lumpur, this is Scott Coates saying goodbye. And from Kuala Lumpur, this is Trevor Ranges. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Tom